FS Podcasts. We are a student initiative from Frankfurt School of Finance and Management, a business school located in Frankfurt, Germany. In our podcast, we like to bring different guests with interesting background to talk to us and share their opinion on various diverse topics. Welcome to FS Podcast. Today we have Dr. Philip Sander with us, who's the head of the Frankfurt School Blockchain Center. Welcome. And also my co-guest, um, Chris, welcome. Welcome. Hello. Hello. So Dr. Sander, we're so happy to have you here with us to discuss the, f the feasibility of blockchain and the whether it's a fad or not. We really like to get into how it's going to be implemented by businesses. So first off, um, is this thing real? Uh, from my side, definitely no. It's, it's definitely real. I'm doing blockchain uh, topics uh, like all day long and uh, now since approximately one and a half he years here at the uh, Frankfurt School. Uh, but I'm into this topic now since 2013 when I discovered Bitcoin. At that time there was only the Bitcoin and no blockchain technology out there. Um, but now it's uh, working uh, perfectly fine and I think it's a very, very, very exciting topic and uh, to be very honest, I think it will um, turn capital markets and financial management upside down. So in my mind, it's uh, it's not a fad and it's not a tulip bubble out there, but rather it will be the new, let's call it operating system, which will revolutionize at, at least the financial sector. At least the financial sector. So you do see the possibility of this moving into other sectors? Definitely. I would I would argue that, it, that uh, blockchain technology uh, will be the basis for financial transactions, um, say, in 10 years for 10% of all transactions, be it assets, money, the euro, uh, real estate, uh, everything. It, it will take some time, say five years, 10 years, 15 years, but at the end of the day, I think it's the basis for all kinds of financial uh, transactions. But I have to add here that it's not just blockchain as we know it coming mm -hmm. from the Bitcoin. It's more uh, like closed systems, permissioned uh, systems. Um, you would then don't call it blockchain, you would rather call it DLT, which is called uh, distributed ledger technologies, which yes. is the larger technology family around it. But also crypto, which means crypto assets or cryptocurrencies, they will also have a, a specific future in the, uh, in the upcoming years, I would say so. So I would also say that they will not fade away. Okay. Which, okay, so which other industries do you feel would be much, much more, would be the most affected outside of finance? Mm, well, you know, it's, um, um, that's an interesting question because there there finance is not just an industry finance, but you could also argue that finance is happening in all industries out there. Sure. Yeah, say, take Daimler. They have their own bank, which is called Mercedes-Benz uh, Bank. Then you have BMW. They have a BMW bank. You have uh, Siemens, which is uh, happening, uh, which is having a bank and huge financial uh, department called Siemens Financial Services. It's thousands of people working there. And therefore, I would say that wherever you have such large uh, finance organizations, even if it's not banks or exchanges or intermediaries, um, they will at some point of time also have to deal with uh, blockchain technology. But as I said, you know, it takes five years or 10 years. There is one interesting comparison, um, which really explains it very nicely. Everybody now has some kind of smartphone, can be Android or can be the Apple. And for example, I started uh, um, with the iPhone uh, with the version three. So the iPhone three was the first uh, iPhone or cell phone I had, um, but other people had the iPhone one, but yes. there are not many out there. 
but at some point of time it began with zero percent market penetration now we have 100 percent and it's the same with blockchain uh, blockchain now is in the status of say the iphone one so it's really in the beginning it's very very early and therefore um, people are interested in it but at, this in the at the same time um, the diffusion is close to zero there are not many production system out there there are not many real life applications out there but rather you have hundreds of people experimenting with it you have corporations running prototypes you have smaller consulting projects you have thousands of seminars and workshops and this all adds to the fact that at some point of time you have then a higher diffusion like the iphone 2 3 4 5 and yeah you name it in terms of a lot of what is promoted or advertised with blockchain is this you you mentioned a distributed letter but along with it are contracts that allow for encrypted a, a bit of encryption with blockchain how safe are these channels these these ledgers mm, well you know it, it really depends uh, uh, there is not the blockchain out there and there will not be one blockchain out there in the future but uh, in the instead you will have probably thousands of blockchains for all kinds of purposes countries industries uh, and some of them will have a higher um, uh, degree of security some of them might have a lower degree of security but in, in case we are now talking for example about uh, bitcoin then you see here that the bitcoin blockchain is now running since 10 years yes and we know it from our laptops and our smartphones there is hardly any it system out there which is running for 10 years uh, having been started by a bunch of individuals and the bitcoin blockchain now runs uh, since 10 years and there have not there has not been any bitcoins stolen within the bitcoin blockchain yeah there have been hacking attacks there have indeed be uh, fraud and uh, bitcoin stolen but always at the intersections where classical markets meet the bitcoin blockchain so this is basically exchanges where you would uh, exchange the euro into Bitcoin. This is where currently fraud partly happens. This is where um, KYC and AML processes don't really work. Uh, this is where hackers uh, have stolen a lot of Bitcoins. But in the within the technology itself, like the Bitcoin blockchain, um, there has not been uh, any Bitcoin stolen. So you can now say that this is, as of now, entirely secure. Entirely secure. There has been it's difficult to believe, you know, because uh, <laughs> there is no IT system out there which is said to be entirely secure. But right now, you know, you, you, you need to view it as follows. The, uh, the Bitcoin blockchain is a capitalized uh, system now having 110 billion US dollars in capitalization. Yes. And it's just a file out there on the Internet. And it, it, it has been attacked like thousands of times by, by thousands of people because it's just out there sitting on like thousands of uh, servers yes. um, there are no firewalls out there and still there has not been any bitcoins uh, been stolen within the blockchain yeah despite the hacker attacks outside uh, the blockchain and, and therefore you at this point of time can assume that um, the blockchain is secure but also as always um, this this doesn't mean that it stays like this because you have quantum computers you have more people trying to attack the blockchain trying to steal money so what we are saying now might not be uh, true for the future, but right now, 2018, you can say that the blockchain is uh, a secure IT system. Okay. You mentioned quantum computers. That's been one of the proposed measures that can possibly bring down the blockchain. But I, I could tell you personally, I'm kind of skeptical that it will because I think 
that the blockchain will actually advance as quantum computers advance as well. Can you? I would perfectly agree here. Um, if the if quantum computing would break uh, blockchain systems, then I think uh, Bitcoin is the least problem we have because then each ATM out there would also be broken. Okay. So this 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 each security system, each firewall, you could everything uh, you can break everything with quantum computing. It's not just the blockchain, uh, and therefore quantum computing uh, is a chance, uh, but also a threat. Um, but as you said, IT systems will evolve. You will have updates. You have uh, quantum-proof security systems, um, and then with new updates, then hopefully uh, these kind of threats uh, fade away. So, when you when you you said now with your work every day you work on blockchain when you work on on those on those activities what would they encompass with the frankfurt school blockchain center mm, yeah we we created uh, the frankfurt school blockchain center um, as as a uh, think tank yes focusing mainly on uh, three dimensions uh, one is education mm -hmm. this implies education within the frankfurt school that's basically seminars um, that will be a blockchain course in the master in management and in the master of finance uh, starting in 2019 okay. um, we have a certificate program um, to learn blockchain and even programming uh, we also have uh, seminars for the outside world of uh, the frankfurt school that, that's for example seminars for bankers and other interested people that's the that's in all the educational dimension then second, uh, we are running uh, quite some interesting projects, uh, which also involve some kind of consulting um, activity for companies. Uh, we also have developed um, a bunch of prototypes. That's basically IT development. Um, one of them uh, was where we connected cars to the blockchain, such that you could use the blockchain to access uh, cars and e-scooters uh, together mm. with an automotive supplier. And uh, besides education and um, yeah, prototypes or projects. We also um, have the feeling that the community uh, is like the third very important dimension where we try to build a uh, community here in Frankfurt uh, with us, of course, being part of this, uh, where people can meet. This happens on conferences, for example, meetups and uh, other uh, possibilities uh, because it's so important that despite all digitization and stuff, you also have the possibility to meet people physically, uh, talk to them, uh, and create those relations where people in the future, for example, make business with. Yes. So, I mean, we have an, an audience of uh, people that are high school high, high schoolers. We have uh, students. How would you define the, the the principle of blockchain, and how would you define also your 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 all all day activities at the blockchain center? What do you do? Mm -hmm. What is it to be in your shoe mm -hmm. uh, as a head? of the, the blockchain center mm -hmm. here for school. Yeah, uh, so you know the, the, the blockchain center as you uh, like concerning the second part of your mm -hmm. question, the blockchain center um, is not just my idea. Uh, we are working together with Vaya Andonians and uh, in particular um, uh, Professor Rosbach, um, who is one of the IT professors here. And um, now we also have a couple of employees within the blockchain center to, to run all these activities, projects uh, and so on. Um, and what I'm doing um, all day long, of course, you know, there are uh, um, like courses here at the Frankfurt School, there are theses. Um, you see a lot of interest from uh, people who want to write their bachelor or master thesis um, in this topic. And frankly, there is so much to do, you know, you could like write thousands of theses in this field. Therefore, I'm quite uh, uh, happy that people are having this uh, interest because it's very often not backed uh, by what professors had have taught them previously because it's such a new topic you know we don't have a master of blockchain uh, so people have this interest 
derived from, I don't know, the media or from their hobby or whatever. Um, and um, this education part is uh, quite some share of what I'm doing day by day. But I'm also talking a lot uh, with people um, from enterprises, uh, from banks, exchanges, um, because they also want to understand this technology and they feel that the Frankfurt School as an education institution um, is, is, a, is a good organization to with, with the best we can do from a neutral position explain this technology um, without an own agenda like a consulting company would have for example uh, this is also a large part of my uh, work you know uh, meeting people uh, um, and uh, also identifying possibilities for future um, cooperation and then concerning the first part of your question how would you basically describe or explain blockchain that's of course uh, difficult um, when we are just doing it via audio it's much more easy to have a whiteboard and draw some images here but if I have to explain it uh, via audio then the best explanation is that you have um, right now in case you have financial transactions then you have an asset such as an like a banknote euro or a stock uh, in case you are transacting it this asset is more or less um, pushed through some kind of pipeline of organizations so imagine you are sending money from here to say South Africa. Then you are passing this money to your local bank. Uh, this is then passed on to the correspondent bank, uh, licensed from the central banks. Then it's going to the correspondent bank in South Africa and then to the local bank in South Africa. So th the assets more or less are passed through the system. And this takes time. Yes. It's uh, of course, uh, it can be inefficient, especially with uh, money transactions outside Europe. You, you guys know this probably, yes, um, but you see this, that, that the, the assets are passed through the system. And um, in case you have this kind of pipeline in mind where you are passing assets uh, through, you could now see that blockchain is uh, an entirely different architecture because the blockchain with its distributed ledger provides something like a register where you have all assets listed in some kind of let's call it excel table mm -hmm. uh, it's not yeah. perfectly right but to illustrate it makes sense so you have some kind of register function and uh, 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 this register function materializes in something like um, an excel spreadsheet yes. and all assets are listed from line one to say line 50,000. All assets are listed uh, uh, line by line. And if you're now doing an ownership transfer, say I'm sending 1,000 US dollar to South Africa, then I go to my line, which is uh, line 50 in the Excel sheet. My name is listed there as owner. I will remove my name and I will add your name. And, and as of this point of time, you will be the owner of this asset. And you see here very nicely that there is no assets being passed through organizations, but instead you have a register. Mm -hmm. And uh, once I'm changing my name into your name, the asset ownership has been passed over to you. Yes. So there is no clearing and, and settlement anymore because there is no pipeline where you are moving the assets uh, through. And I think this image is very nice to have in mind um, that the blockchain technology is providing some IT infrastructure which, which sits in between multiple organizations, which provides some kind of register function um, where the assets are listed and, and ownership uh, is digitally organized uh, without any clearing and settlement, um, with speedy transactions, with low transaction costs, um, with 24-7 uh, functionality and of course real-time functions. So to illustrate this, um, there is a cryptocurrency called Ethereum, for example, which mm -hmm. is now capitalized with, 
I think it's 30 billion US dollars. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's as much as, for example, Deutsche Bank. You know, it's, it's really quite a value. Um, in case I would use Ethereum technology to transact money, I could now send money from here to South Africa. And before I'm ending the sentence I'm currently speaking, the money is already there in, say, Johannesburg. Yeah, 15 seconds. Yes. And that's really amazing uh, from, a, from a technological perspective. Mm. But of course, when we are doing transactions just in Germany, we don't see this kind of value because the, the European payment system also works extremely efficient. Yes. Yeah, but this is within the country. You've you spoken about the, the great advantages. So far, with no clearance systems, I see advantages of costs, de decreasing costs. So what's, what's, what's limiting the market from establishing blockchain right now? Mm, yeah, that's a difficult question, there are, but I think there are quite, quite a bunch of uh, reasons why adoption of blockchain technology doesn't go uh, faster. Um, the most the most important point is that uh, uh, people very often don't understand the technology yet because it's so early yes. and and it's it's very difficult to understand technology so it's not just i don't know uh, listening to a youtube movie and then understanding it yeah. uh, instead you have to uh, i don't know read through it for weeks until you understand it um, and this makes it very difficult to to adopt it then secondly the companies right now like the larger ones like yes. be it Daimler, BMW or Deutsche Bank Commerzbank, um, they do some activities, some early prototypes, but uh, so far they haven't created large budgets uh, to really establish entirely new infrastructures. So it's also a matter of missing funds and missing money. Without okay. funds you can't build anything. And then the last point, um, I think this is very important, um, that uh, the regulatory bodies, so say the BaFin in Germany or the European Central Bank, they are also understanding this, they are knowing exactly what's happening in this kind of ecosystem, but you cannot change an infrastructure overnight. Yeah. They first also need to educate themselves, uh, they need to uh, find an opinion, is, is it good or is it bad? And if we want to have it, how do we exactly want to have it? Can we have the euro on a blockchain or not? You know, these are all questions which first need to be answered and only then afterwards you would then have uh, changes in regulatory bodies. And this, uh, this makes then regulatory efforts some kind of bottleneck, mm. such that startups, for example, which are very active, for example, in Berlin, but partly also in Frankfurt, um, they would like to do more, but they are lacking the funds, they yeah. are lacking uh, mm. regulatory certainty, um, and then uh, at the end of the day, it just takes more time. Yeah. Okay. But you see here also that, you, that in other countries, in Europe, this would be uh, Liechtenstein, Switzerland, Malta and Gibraltar, uh, these are smaller countries, mm -hmm. they yes. can be act more agile, they can act more speedy. You see very proactive uh, blockchain regulations coming from these countries and uh, they then provide an, inf like an environment where even now companies from China are moving to Malta um, because really? they find some kind of European Union uh, security there but also mm -hmm. a proactive uh, local um, law regime, yeah, which is very fascinating that you, you change the legal environment and suddenly you have uh, like uh, dozens of startups coming in, which is nothing else than FDI in its best forms. Yes. You, you mentioned new countries moving to different countries that have more permit, more um, regulatory, uh, a better regulatory environment. Recently you were in Jordan um, where you spoke, I, th I think it was to the um, Jordanian Central Bank. Central Bank. <coughs> Can you speak about the messages that you have to 
to countries when you tra- when you visit them, and also also to which countries you see the most promise in. Mm, yeah, that's also a, a very interesting question. Definitely, um, um, in this case, uh, the uh, the GI set uh, that's a technology transfer and developing countries organization in Germany, backed by the government, they have asked us to also support um, their ambitions of uh, technology transfer in um, co- uh, countries like Jordan, and they have invited us uh, to uh, teach or to educate the um, Central Bank of Jordan about. DLT and blockchain technology, so this is not not Bitcoin and stuff, but uh, the technology in general. And uh, you see here that uh, central banks are strongly interested in understanding the technology, mm-hmm. because at some point of time you ho- you will have the euro on a blockchain-based system. You also have the US dollar uh, on some kind of blockchain-based system, but it will take uh, some more years, but it will happen. And uh, therefore, uh, you see like early interested now about understanding the technology, trying to do experiments with it. And in Jordan, the situation is a little bit uh, more special compared to Germany, because there you have uh, really many uh, refugees mm-hmm. in the camps in Amman. Yes. And uh, very often they don't have a passport, they don't have income anymore. Um, wow. th- you need to somehow organize all this. Uh, how can you organize people in case you don't have a passport of them because they have lost it or it has been stolen or whatever. There are so many uh, crazy stories. Yes. And um, the the UN, United Nations, they have I- in Amman, in Jordan, uh, have done a large-scale project uh, employing blockchain technology to organize distribution of funds uh, to refugees, yeah, such that you have some kind of accounting method, yes. such that refugees, that you can organize uh, the distribution of uh, funds uh, to the to refugees, such that they can purchase food, something to drink, and so on. You need to organize all this. You know, it's mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of people, mm-hmm. and therefore, um, I have the feeling that Jordan was also interested um, to um, to check whether blockchain technology can actually be used for financial inclusion. Okay. And, and this is an extremely powerful topic which okay. has not been discovered in, in a very broad sense. Okay. And then the reason now is the following, and I think this is really exciting. So um, you have, I don't know the exact figures, but it should be two or three billion of people on the, on the planet mm-hmm. which don't have uh, like good access to finance, yeah. Yes. So um, and then you have shaky regimes, you have corruption, you have inflation in in many countries, such that even if they would have local currency, there would uh, some of the money would be taken away. Some sometimes they don't get the money. You have uh, weak regimes and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is all things which would not happen in Germany because here we have an efficient state. It works uh, very nicely, so you can trust the system. But you cannot trust the system in, in, in other countries, mm-hmm. and now and now it's very very. You know, I think this is very fascinating. In, ca- in in these countries where you don't have like a perfectly working state like in most uh, European countries, you now potentially have a blockchain-based system, which you can trust, where you can execute payments on, where you can do money transactions, um, to allow people to be connected to some kind of financial system, yes. even if there is no legal regime which is providing the infrastructure to run business processes but the blockchain can do it and there is also the cryptocurrency ethereum which is uh, in my mind also very exciting because you just need electricity mm-hmm. a smartphone and um, internet connection yes. and then you can transact money wherever you are in the world that's really fascinating uh, without any uh, local uh, governments or uh, banks and so on and I think this is really fascinating if you view it from this uh, perspective 
And this also explains why cryptocurrencies, for example, are not necessarily to be used in Germany, mm -hmm. but they can potentially make very much sense to be uh, used uh, in those countries where you have, for example, uh, a, a local regime which is not that efficiently working like Germany. Okay. And now, since end of June, you have, for example, the euro being denoted on the Ethereum platform. This is a little bit difficult to understand, but you have Ethereum as a cryptocurrency. You yes. can create other cryptocurrencies on top of Ethereum. Um, and now a startup has uh, put the euro on the Ethereum platform. So now I can, within 10 seconds, transfer the digital crypto euro from here to, say it again, South Africa. Yeah. There are still open questions. Wow. How can you how can you exchange it back? Would anybody accept it in Johannesburg and so on? Uh, but you can uh, now use this. It's early stage. It's a startup, and they have now 10 million of euro on the Ethereum blockchain uh, to be basically used as a uh, traditional currency on this kind of new technology. And I think this is really fascinating. Wow. As we can see, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, broad, it's a broad, it's something that's really broad and it's really broad. And what would you, what would be your advice to someone or to any country that wants to have this blockchain or cryptocurrency education? What are the steps to begin? For example, a high schooler or, or a student that needs to know more about blockchain, how it works. What are the first steps? What uh, magazines, what YouTube videos or what uh, uh, workshop would you uh, uh, advise them actually? Mm, yeah, um, yeah. Um, it's it's not easy to enter this kind of technological field, but you have like uh, hundreds of documents out there which are explaining the technology. You have YouTube videos, you have uh, very good blogs out there, um, magazines like the Handelsblatt, for example, in Germany. They are like regularly writing about blockchain technology. The only thing what you have to have is uh, interest for this topic. You need to be open because it's a little bit different and you need to have a little bit of technological interest uh, that you want to understand it. And therefore, some very often um, people from the uh, business, business students, for example, they very often are not entirely interested in technology and, and then uh, for them it's a closed job. Uh, you need to have openness and interest into technolo technological stuff. Um, and then I would say it's a huge chance these years you can now be part of a very early stage technology which will definitely change uh, the financial sector i have one of the concerns that i saw many speak about are sometimes these smart contracts on the blockchain they they don't they can't identify where the source of funds are, are, are derived what do you how do you feel about the indication that sometimes blockchain may be associated with more criminal actions yeah, well, this this is right, but you know, any currency out there, being the euro or the US dollar, is also involved in criminal activity. So no, you know, this is uh, it's not the it's not the best argument against uh, cryptocurrencies. But of course, there is some truth uh, there that Bitcoin has been involved in criminal activities and cryptocurrencies. But as I said, the same applies to any traditional currency out there. Um, it's early stage. Yes. Uh, regulatory bodies have to uh, deal with it. They are thinking about it. They are also thinking about installing more regulation to make the system more uh, applicable to the real world. And here, at the end of the day, it comes down to identifying people which are acting in the system. Uh, yes. That's the KYC, AML mm -hmm. uh, procedures uh, to avoid people 
participating in the system which shouldn't be allowed to. Yeah, and this is one of the, the largest challenges and also risks in this uh, uh, blockchain ecosystem um, that at some point of time you have to do it and very often governments um, uh, don't haven't found the perfect approach yet on how to control access to these systems. Mm. But also very clearly mentioning here that forbidding this system or closing the system entirely down is definitely not an alternative um, because if you do it, you drive out all innovation outside the country and then innovation is happening say in Japan, Korea, China and Singapore and then not in the Euro in, in European countries. So there is, there is it's, it's a very bad idea to entirely prohibit it because you're driving, you're taking yourself out of this technological proce process in case you are um, um, regulating it too restrictive. Yes. In terms of, well, one of I, I'd like to see if you getting more financially more financially involved in the Bitcoin and are you <laughs> are you supporting the valuation of Bitcoin or do you see it falling? Or nobody can tell. <laughs> Honestly, nobody can tell. Uh, um, it it started, of course, uh, uh, with zero uh, yes. ten years ago, nine years ago. Um, now we, we had on maximum we had uh, a price of around nearly twenty thousand US dollar that has been uh, something like four hundred billion US dollars in capitalization. Yeah. Now the price is down to six thousand five hundred US dollar capitalized by I think it's one hundred and ten billion US dollars. And uh, the question now is, uh, what would be like a good arguments for decreasing or increasing value? And here you have large prob uh, problems because on the one hand side you have regulatory efforts which might indeed close this entire system down. Yes. On the other hand side you have these huge promises um, that this technology can change the way business is being done. And now from a capital markets perspective try to form a valid opinion about future prices. Yes. Uh, it's just not possible because the, the variation between a proper assessment of future value ranges between zero and infinity and there is no way of kind of establishing uh, a true value because there are also no valuation methods out there and yeah. it's so early therefore you might have regulatory actions uh, coming which are then affecting the price there is lots of uncertainty in the market this also produces like uh, like a um, uh, the decreasing uh, value and therefore the market has not found any equilibrium yet and therefore you see this enormous uh, volatility but I would I would argue that the technology um, uh, will have some value, and I would argue that at some point of time it will definitely um, uh, you we will definitely see an increased price. Okay, how now I'd like to get into more. How did you get into blockchain? Mm, yeah, as I as I said previously, you know you you need to be open, you need to be interested, oh, so and you need to be a little bit of um, um, technologically um, interested, and with this. I typically uh, read uh, these US blogs, and in this case it was TechCrunch in 2013. Mm -hmm. I read it, you know, like on a more or less daily basis. Yes. And at that time, um, 2013, uh, the Bitcoin was coming up like multiply in these media, and at, and at some point of time you stumble upon it, and then you're getting interested and, and reading into it uh, the blockchain, uh, sorry, the Bitcoin white paper out there written by Satoshi Nakamoto 2008, for example, is a must read. Yes. Um, um, I then read it some years ago and then you get somehow um, 
um, like inspired by this technology and then it, it, uh, it, it becomes some kind of hobby. What I missed at that time was um, talking to people about this technology. So I, I was at home reading, uh, digging into it, but I, I missed the opportunity to talking to other people about it. And this would at that time has very easily been happening, for example, visiting meetups Mm -hmm. um, at when I lived in Munich at that time and then I would have easily gotten in touch with people who are also uh, been interested in, the in this technology and um, and I didn't do this uh, otherwise um, maybe I, I would have been even more excited about it um, but you can also turn it differently um, you asked how can people get involved I think a very easy step to do is visiting meetups you know th there are a bunch of meetups happening in Frankfurt, but also in other uh, cities and countries. Just sign, just go there, you get a free beer. There is uh, nice people out there, 95% yeah. male. Um, and typically it's, 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 it's very inspiring going there. And frankly, I don't see any reason to not go there. Uh, it doesn't cost anything. Well, if you're really, really inspired and want to go, then you'd take an interest into the Frankfurt School blockchain certificate or one of those yeah for example we, or we have we have a bunch of uh, uh, seminars conferences uh, workshops which we are organizing and so far um, uh, we, we haven't we have never uh, told students to not come yes mm -hmm. but the interest from students is still uh, very limited okay. students are interested yeah. in, in, in theses like bachelor master <laughs> theses absolutely that's very good yes um, but the, the next step you know like getting to the community, meeting people, talking to them. Um, this is happening um, not too often at this point of time. Uh -huh. yeah, but it's increasing, luckily. But, but uh, coming back to Bitcoin that you uh, mentioned f uh, before, uh, have you done personal experiences with Bitcoin? Yeah, of, co of course, you have okay. to do it, otherwise you don't understand it. Okay. Uh, that, that's, uh, that's another good point. It's good that you're mentioning this. Um, you only will understand the technology if you're dealing with it by, say, spending 10 euro, 100 euro, for a fraction of a Bitcoin, because only then uh, you will have this this learning by doing effect, and this makes you understand what's happening here, because you are spending, say, 50 euro for a fraction of a Bitcoin, and then you ask yourself, what did I buy? Because it wasn't a it wasn't a share, it wasn't a stock, um, it wasn't a voucher, it was at the end of the day some piece of technology which you can't really grasp, and um, and this makes you then at some point of time understand what's what's going on in this technological field. Because it's because it's basically value, which is not visible. It's not value which you can touch, like a real estate object, or some kind of stock or a banknote. It's value which is dematerialized and which is which you cannot touch, which which is invisible, and that's difficult to understand. But in, in your in your, uh, I, I can see you're really interested in it. You have a big interest in it. But uh, in your in your quest of. Uh, Deeping in in the in, in the field of blockchain, as you have any experiences that make you want to give up or make you saying making make you doubt that it is actually the future? No, not 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 one time. Okay. No, uh, maybe maybe back in 2015 uh, because at that uh, time the the price didn't really move. Uh, uh, it was stuck around 400 US dollar. Now it's uh, 6,500. But at that time the the price was stuck at 400 US dollar for I don't know one year. Um, and at that time, I thought you maybe it's not that brilliant. Um, but now, um, 2018, uh, I, there is no doubt that this technology will not uh, uh, change uh, markets, infrastructure, or 
the way business processes are being down, uh, being run. Okay, so well, how do you, do you, as Philip Sender, Professor Sender at the Frankfurt School, how do you see the future of of blockchain, of cryptocurrencies? What is the future, mm. as a personal view? It will it will all be digital. It everything will be digitally transformed. There is no way of stopping this. Um, even um, the way business is being done uh, will change. Things like controlling, auditing, accounting. This will all be entirely um, uh, digitized and. Uh, uh, especially for the area of business, I think um, blockchain will be one of the key technologies. But you will only understand it in case you are interested um, in the technology. Um, there is no way of understanding it when you would like to stay away from the technology. Uh, because then it's a closed shop. But do you think that we're going to have, is, is it, is, is it going to be a choice for someone to say I'm going to stay out? Because I think if it's the future, staying out of it, staying out of the uh, uh market actually of the working market yeah exactly it's it's for it's li like like my my mother for example uh, who only entered uh, the smartphone revolution um, um, uh, when as one of the last persons out there you know and and then of course she saw the value but uh, she she for she for her it was also perfectly away uh, okay to stay away from this for 15 years yeah. okay so so there are, there are good reasons to stay away from it but uh, you're taking yourself um, away potential of developing for having good careers and so on, because it's al it always makes so much sense uh, to join ecosystems, technologies, countries which are growing. Yeah, so in case you would like to have a good career, in case you would like to have a good job, then uh, you need to go wherever there is growth and growth that's now happening in blockchain. So there is, from a personal career perspective, there is no reason to stay away from it. So your advice to young students for um, any universities, you take that they should, if they're s doing business, they should actually consider it and go into the digitalization of the, the process. Absolutely, Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, to some degree, you know, to some degree, this is also our task um, as lecturers here at the Frankfurt School to to teach people these new technologies. Um, you would agree here, right? Yeah. Uh, but I also made the opposite uh, experience. Yeah, I, I taught people about blockchain in uh, in in study courses here in 2017, early 2017, um, like one and a half years ago. This was before the hype, and then uh, business students here at the Frankfurt School they also they weren't really happy because they had to like dig into technology yeah so they they weren't not everybody were happy some of them were really excited about this technology but others they were not so much excited uh, because they felt that they should have yeah they didn't want to study computer science that's why they chose business and now and then i basically uh, chased them with blockchain <laughs> technology and of course not everybody uh, was then happy um, but I then had the, a similar course uh, one year later. That's now half a year ago. It was after the hype. And um, I again explained blockchain technology, you know, like uh, every single step. And then because of the hype, uh, people were much more excited about it. And, th and they were much more open um, because the, the hype from end of 2017 was just some, some weeks um, away. And also media has basically... Um, promote this tele technological uh, developments uh, endlessly uh, in autumn and winter 2017. So you see also here that it's it's not just the lecturers uh, uh, which are having to inspire people to some degree. It's also about personal interest. So tell, tell us about your educational background. 
Mm, well, I, I studied uh, uh, like standard business administration at the University of Mannheim, okay. uh, similarly to, to here, uh, but uh, some years ago. Um, but I was always interested in high-tech stuff. Um, I also learned uh, programming. In this case, it was PHP and uh, basic. Uh, lots of SQL, that's database technology stuff. Um, and then I wrote my PhD dissertation also with like uh, lots of like heavy load uh, data management, uh, SQL databases and stuff because I, I needed these databases to store all the data. Now you would call it data science. At that time it was simply called database. Um, but even if I haven't uh, studied it, well, I had um, computer science as an as a major in the, uh, in the master section of uh, studies. Um, but I was always interested in technology. And uh, with this, um, I would say I'm I have mixed uh, business and computer science uh, without being a computer scientist. Yeah. But I was I was mainly interested in all this technological stuff uh, for some reason, I don't know why. And uh, this then brought me uh, to the US blocks, in this case TechCrunch, and, uh, and these blocks uh, then um, told me about Bitcoin some years ago. Uh, so it's, it's also um, a little bit random what, what, what happens. Yes. Okay, here at FS Podcast, we, <coughs> we have three standard questions we ask each guest. Um, the first one is, who has inspired you the most? That's a difficult question. Um, well, I, I think th at the end of the day, I think it's, uh, for example, uh, the parents okay. are, are a very uh, strong uh, driving factor because they uh, somehow um, provide the values on, on which uh, you are now acting i think parents are very very important here but there are also uh, some other people out there so if i have to name one there is uh, there is for example cheryl sandberg mm -hmm. uh, she i think she is or she has been the coo of facebook yes. and uh, she wrote a book about advising people on their careers and i listened to it when when driving car uh, like these audiobooks um, and this was uh, very exciting to, to listen uh, because she said uh, some very exciting things like um, concerning career development. And uh, one of the things she said is uh, young people, in case they would like to do a good career, they should always go wherever there is growth. Yeah. So go to a growing company, go to a growing country like China, uh, go to a growing technology like AI, blockchain, data analytics, go to a growing company and so on opposite also uh, leave when companies are shrinking leave when technologies are shrinking therefore for example you should not go into the construction industry right now you should rather go if construction industry then things like smart buildings smart homes this is growing because in case you are working in growing systems or organizations um, then at some point of time uh, you you will be at the top of this organization uh, because the, the organization is growing yes and and I think this kind of uh, advice was very very interesting. She also said another thing is that one of the most important career decisions is uh, uh, choosing the right wife or husband. <laughs> <laughs> she said this. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay. Well, when the second one is your favorite book, but I think you may have answered that with Sheryl Sandberg's. Apparently, the uh, the most important pa uh, document out there is the the Bitcoin okay. uh, white paper because this is the foundation of now ten years of uh, blockchain technology, uh, which will change a lot. So, uh, but the, the book from Sheryl Sandberg is also very nicely written. Yeah. Okay. And last question is, if you had 
you had basically a blank, you had anywhere to travel, you had a blank ticket, and you go to the airport, where would you go to? Mm, like uh, right now, t- uh, 2018, yes. um, I, I think I would go to uh, um, Seoul in Korea or Singapore, Yes. because this is where, where, like in my case, uh, blockchain technology is even more developed. I think they, these guys there are one or two years ahead. Okay, really? Okay, but also, but also, uh, Berlin uh, and Zurich in Switzerland, uh, these are also very nice ecosystems. So I, I might also choose to go to Zurich. Okay, mm. that's that doesn't sound bad at all. No, <laughs> not at all. Not all at right, all. well, Dr. Sanna, thank you so much um, for for Thanks. for, for uh, sharing these insights with us. Um, and yeah, and thanks also, Chris, for for being on the podcast first time. And yeah, we'll let you go. Thank you. Have yeah, a great perfect. Day. Thanks. Thank you for coming. Take Thanks. Care.